Hello and welcome. I'm Alice Judge Talbot, author of The Backup Plan, a book that celebrates how to make the best out of Plan B. There are moments in all our lives where we have no choice but to rethink what our future may look like. It's in losing sight of this path that can lead us to discover new versions of success. To celebrate the fact we all have a backup plan, I'll be hearing from guests who have discovered magic in unconventional circumstances and found their own version of success and happiness. Welcome to the Backup Plan. Before we hear from our main guest, I'm delighted to share a brilliant conversation I had with one of the many incredible sellers from Etsy, the sponsors of this podcast. We'll learn how Etsy has supported their sellers' own backup plans so they can grow their businesses, build their teams and follow their passions. Clouds and Currents was founded by husband and wife duo Pete and Bridget in their home in rural Essex. The team of two has now tripled in size with the team producing over 800 beautifully handcrafted, unique items for all occasions. Here today is one half of the husband and wife founding team, Pete. Hi, Pete. Thank you so much for coming in. Hi, Alice. Thanks for having me. So tell me, what inspired you to set up the business and start selling on Etsy? We got married in 2011 and my wife was obviously scouring the internet Mm -hmm. for all kinds of inspiration. And she came across this idea of a wooden hanger with wire work of Mrs. Smith or whatever your newly married name is. Couldn't see anything like that in the UK. So in this interim period, she decided to teach herself wire work and Amazing. create the UK's first wedding dress hanger. So what have been the highlights in growing your business with Etsy? And we had no expectation that product would create what we have today. So bringing additional team members on has been just really, really great. We both bring different facets, mm-hmm. as all individuals do. And we're able to work that in a way that's that's really productive. And finally, what advice would you give to anyone thinking about starting their own business on Etsy? Find something that really inspires you and brings you joy. Thank you so much for coming a in. Pleasure. That's brilliant. There are some people on Instagram who just make your day better. And for me, Emily Clarkson, otherwise known as Pretty Normal Me, is just that. As the name suggests, Emily celebrates the magic all of us have in being pretty normal. Emily's the best kind of feminist there is. She speaks up in a way that's relatable, powerful and passionate. She believes we should be unashamedly ourselves, whatever that might look like, and I totally agree. Having just run a marathon, she went from not being able to run a mile to 26.2 of them in six months. Emily celebrates everything she does in a manner that's totally inspiring. Have a look at her Instagram page, which is M underscore Clarkson, for a bloody brilliant photo of her in underwear on Tower Bridge that was so full of joy it made me beam from ear to ear. Emily, I really love that photo. Thanks. How did it feel? Like, what were the logistics behind going to Tower Bridge and then taking your clothes off? Oh my God, up? that was like, honestly the weirdest day I've had. And normally my friends don't have any interest in my job at all. And then I went to the pub on Friday night and I was like, your week. I was like, my <laughs> week. Um, so it was with Curvy Kate, which is a lingerie brand. And yeah. that truthfully, like I do talk a lot about like body confidence and stuff, but like I'd be lying if I said that was... That came naturally to me because we, mm. we arrived there on the day and I knew that we were going to be in our underwear on a London bus going mm-hmm. around London. I woke up that morning, saw it was raining and was like, oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got there and they were like, right, girls, uh, let's go stop some traffic. And so just in the middle of the road, we just took off all of our clothes Amazing. and sort of ran. And the guy, the security guy was like, you can't be doing this. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. What was the public's yeah. reaction? People were like stopping to like cheer at us and shout and take a lot of photos. So like, I cannot wait how many slideshows we'll be on when yeah. like, tourists get home. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah then <laughs> there is that fear that yeah you're gonna get it 
But as we find, people in real life are a lot nicer than they are on the internet. Absolutely. Why do you think it is, though, that people feel... Like, do you think there's a wall there? Like, I can say this because I'm sitting behind a computer screen and I am now, like, an 150-pixel avatar. I'm not a real person. Why do you think people can say these things? I think at the minute it's just a really dangerous hybrid of too much anonymity mm-hmm. and very little accountability. Yes. You know, like there's a lot of sort of very severe harassment that is mm-hmm. now being dealt with, but mm-hmm. the sort of day-to-day belittling, misogynistic, mm-hmm. nasty comments mm-hmm. are being ignored by the social platforms and by anyone that's really going to do anything. The abuse that I get, like it was always about my size. Then like last year, I just started sharing people's names mm-hmm. and I'm like right you're gonna say shitty things about me like let's go mm-hmm. you want to play <laughs> we, I can play mm-hmm. and it completely changed my life because mm-hmm. it, okay so my best example of this ever and I have to say I've got a lot less shit since this happened yeah so I was training for my marathon and the guys and I had I mean I had so many problems but I was basically I had a hip problem and it was really stressing me out mm-hmm. Obviously, I was moaning about it too much because <laughs> this guy sent me a message and it was thought out. It was a long message and it was like, hi, you're like, all you ever do is moan. Oh, boo-hoo, I've got sciatica, poor you, like, cry me a fucking river. By the way, your glasses are fucking ugly, you're attention-seeking, <laughs> oh everybody hates you. Um, then a whole load of abuse and then good luck with your marathon, sounds like your training's going shit. And I was so <laughs> upset, I was like, you fucking asshole. Anyway, went, I know, and, but, because I was like, you must know a lot about me if you know that I've had, like, mm. sciatica and all of this. Anyway, and then I was like, you know what, I'm going into detective mode. So I <laughs> found his account and then I found out that he was running the marathon of me <gasps> then I found wow. out that his mum had been diagnosed with bowel cancer oh and he gosh. was running it for bowel cancer charities which is something yeah. that means a lot to me so mm-hmm. I was like right I have a solution here. Alex my boyfriend found out where he lived what his wife was called I was oh like, my goodness got this in his back pocket because everyone thinks they're anonymous and yep. they're not it's yep. very easy for me a blogger and him a publicist to find out mm-hmm. and um yes yeah, so I donated to his just giving page with a little note saying good luck in the marathon hopefully oh, see wow. you there and I wish your mum a speedy recovery. But I did just want him to know that there is... It does really hurt. Yeah, it's clear to see that this is a massive problem, like, mm. spanning all ages, because it's only when people start being really transparent about it that mm. we can start to make a change. So, yeah. yeah. So taking it back, when you were growing up and, you know, you are planning your life, what did that look like? What was, like, your plan A of how you wanted your life to turn out? Did you imagine you'd be fighting body-shaming dickheads on the internet? Uh, I kind of always knew I'd be fighting something. (laughs) (laughs) I, when I was a kid, my first ever thing I wanted to do was be Secretary General of the United Nations. That is an amazing, like... no. I asked this question and people were like, well, I wanted to be a ballerina. Oh, God, no. (laughs) No, I remember, I don't know when it was, but the first time there were those floods in Mozambique, it yeah. was like in the late 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, that was the first news story I really remember seeing. And I remember there was a woman on the news who'd given birth up a tree. And I was like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Like, I just couldn't comprehend it, like, wow. from, you know, my London like head to yes. like that I was like, oh my god anyway and then I got really sort of as a child very involved in this story and yeah. then I was aware that Kofi Annan who was the Secretary General at the time and I was like that's such a cool name and he was like doing really cool stuff I was like that is what I want to do when I grow up I want to go into places and fix problems obviously I haven't quite like I'm not fixing flooding in Mozambique <laughs> but um yeah one internet dickhead at a time instead yeah then I thought I'd wanted to be a lawyer and then I thought I'm not that bright and I'm quite argumentative and then I thought I wanted to be a journalist which is kind of what I did to get to where I am now anyway. So, so what, how did your career path go? Did you go to university? No, I left school without the requisite grades. And obviously, like, I was really, really privileged to even have it as an option and, mm-hmm. and that. But I knew I really didn't want to do mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you just, you just know, but mm-hmm. actually you haven't really got the confidence 
because I had no idea what I wanted to do instead. I was yeah. just like... One of the messages that I want to give to my kids is that there are other ways to educate yourself and be a successful person. Oh my God, yeah. And education isn't the only way, but we are drilled into having this, yeah. this education and the debt that it sells you with as yeah. well. Yeah, I left actually with no idea what I was going to do classic um, but yeah I went I worked that first uh, year so all my friends I did a bit of traveling I worked then went traveling for like a minute mm-hmm. um, and then I came back and I fell in love with a boy in a band and I groupied with him for a bit and yeah. I did, I, he's Irish I'm yeah. still with him now like nearly seven years later oh wow so yeah he's, Is he's, a he's still in a band no he does he does PR now but yeah he can still sing and that's all that matters to me <laughs> but yes yeah, so we went to Dublin and I was working I worked as a takeout delivery driver worked oh, at the wow. races I just did like I had no sort of career goal and then I started my own blog and then I kind of did the two things mm-hmm. and then um, I started writing more for myself you've yeah. written a book as I well haven't book. you yeah. so tell me how that came about uh that came about because i mean i was really out even more so probably than i am now mm-hmm. uh it was kind of before the body confident it was before plus size stuff was being taken really seriously and i just was getting so angry about it mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere i mean obviously there was sort of movements online but it was the first kind of time that i'd had the opportunity to talk to like newspapers mm-hmm. and that sort of thing about something that was still quite widely unspoken about mm. so yeah i did a bit of writing and then i ended up talking to i think i did an interview with the evening standard about mm-hmm. kind of this sort of thing that i was raging about mm. and then i ended up talking to some editors at simon and schuster and it was amazing and then we kind of had this like Let's make a book. Amazing. Um, so it, it ended up being a collection of open letters to all the areas in which I thought women mm. kind of had it hard. Yeah. I mean, you could go, off, a big book. go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bigger than um, Bible. Yeah, literally. So it's kind of like looking at body hair, body image, thigh gaps, food, the gym, feminism, mm. all sorts, really. And then sort of like looking at my, I started it with a letter to my 13-year-old self, finished it with a letter to my 70-year-old self. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, I had one to my mum in there. Oh. And it was really nice. It was just an, like an exploration of sort of my life and how we'd sort of grown up. Were you brought like, up a feminist? Have you got a strong... Yeah, absolutely. My mum always worked mm-hmm. and she's tough and she's cool. Like mm. She's really, really like just balls to the wall, whatever the expression yeah, yeah. is. My feminism has really grown the last mm-hmm. few years, but I think mm-hmm. as well like feminism has changed so much in the last few years mm-hmm. so that when I kind of got into this obviously I've always been what we would class a feminist when I first started doing what I was doing I was a bit ignorant to a lot of the problems that mm-hmm. I now see and I did think well we've got jobs and we've got mm-hmm. this and actually what I'm finding now is just everywhere I look it's not saying that men have easy lives mm-hmm. but women still do have a really long way to go like I'm learning every day because I know that I was wrong in a lot of my views initially mm-hmm. and you just have to hope I guess that like everybody can be open to learning but it is more. a learning thing and oh it's, my God, yeah. it's, it's like a, and it's, it's a fluid as well yeah exactly it's always changing and, yeah. and it means different things now to mm-hmm. what it did last year and 10 years ago and 50 years before that so yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it mm. but I do get frustrated though. there was in the leadership uh, Tory leadership you know things and there's so many of them are like I think it's Johnny Mercer's wife came up and was like, I'm not a feminist. And I was like, <laughs> what? Feminism is believing the radical notion that women are people. And that's yeah. what it is. It's, it's believing yeah. that women are people and, and deserve to have the same rights as But it's as men. that extraordinary privilege of some women to think, well, we, we're equal. You know, like, I'm mm. equal. I'm and equal, it's like, so well, I don't need yeah, to worry. You are, with your, I don't know, places and MP's wife. And mm. that's 
like thrill for you? There's so much that we still have a responsibility mm-hmm. to learn, and that's for me and for my brother, for my like my sister, for mm-hmm. my parents, for my boyfriend, for my friends, and you know. There was a time and it was like, oh, don't set M off, you know, like mm. in the pub and my friends would say something a bit tongue in cheek. Be. Like, exactly. Feminism used to be, oh, you're a bra burner. Yeah, exactly. Or, you don't shave your legs. Yeah, and then, or, oh, sorry. You know, they'd, they'd say something a little bit misogynistic mm. and they go, oh, M's here. Mm. And actually, I've noticed the last few years, this conversation is changing and it you is, can yeah. be a feminist and have humour. And you can stick and up you can, for yourself. Yeah, now. and you can still make jokes and take jokes. Yeah. It's just... Don't be a dick. You know what I mean? There's a difference between a joke and being an arsehole. Before we continue with the rest of the show, I'd like to say thank you to Etsy, our sponsors of the podcast. I once went to Ascot for a work do wearing a fascinator I'd bought from Etsy. It made me feel so special knowing I was waving at the Queen, who was wearing lime green, in a fascinator that no one else would be wearing. Going on to Love Island, um, which I... It's so problematic... But it's yeah. also so entertaining. I know, I smoked for 10 years and I'm just equating it to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I smoked, I knew full well it, it was hurt, bad for me. Yeah, yeah but I, I did it anyway and that's me in Love Island at the minute. I found it really hard to watch the first one and then, you know, after everything that's happened this year about how the contestants, yeah. they don't get the mental support that they need yeah. and it can, I think it can lead to a very difficult life if you're not fully mentally prepared for it, if you don't know what you're getting yeah. into. But what's your opinion on the whole thing? It is very problematic. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's very interesting social phenomenon and obsession. And yeah. like I wrote about it last year. You know, I think the interesting thing is for these guys is they go in to Love Island as an unknown mm-hmm. sandwich salesman or whatever it is. <laughs> and they come out as one of the most famous people in the country mm-hmm. with a colossal social media following. We know everything and about influence. them. Yeah. And they don't know what we know because yeah. it's 72 hours of television. They've not got time before they get back in England to watch that. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how they've been portrayed and how they've come across and what our opinions are and and all the things that we've said about them. I've been in the peripheral vision of the public eye very occasionally mm. and I need to know exactly what everybody's saying about mm-hmm. me. So the idea that you can come out and not know but be that famous I think it's just beyond comprehension for mm-hmm. most people and then you've got the fact that you've got extraordinary sort of wealth really yeah and you don't you know you don't know what to do with that and mm-hmm. that was you know that's been a, a talked about thing is you know people aren't told that you've got to put half of that away for tax purposes mm-hmm. but I mean from like our point of view watching it I said it like I said last year it's like watching the sims yes because these people don't feel real and the thing yeah. that we have to be very careful to remember mm-hmm is that they are real because mm. we are playing a game. Like, we're watching mm. it every night. We're chatting we're about it to our ringing friends. ringing in. We're, we're voting. On the app. Yeah, we are deciding what happens to these people. Yeah. And, you know, we can, if we kick up enough of a fuss on Twitter, we can completely tailor mm. the conversation to be whatever we want it to be yeah. about these people that mm-hmm. cannot defend themselves. And this is a problem with social media is we don't see how incredibly difficult it is and how much work it takes. And how much pressure is on you. How much pressure is on you. I mean, look at James. Charles, look at the... I've never seen a fall from grace like it. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. If you don't know, he's an American YouTuber Mm -hmm. who has had 16 million subscribers and his best friend, allegedly, in the world, came out and said uh, he's a bad guy and a sexual predator and he lost 3 million followers in a week. And then he came out 10 days later, having been cancelled by the internet. Everyone's Mm. like, no, that's it. And then came out and he he had proof that he wasn't what she said he was and showed the proof. And luckily, he got... I mean, within three days, he'd gone back up 2 million followers again, which is staggering. But 
you know, if he, if he hadn't been in a position to come out and, mm-hmm. and give that statement and if he hadn't felt strong enough to do that, that's just his career over mm. on the word of one person. And I just think it's such an unusual mm-hmm. and crazy time to be alive <laughs> with Instagram and with people who do this for a job. Like, it is our job to be really responsible mm-hmm. about what we do and what mm-hmm. we work with. And that's another thing that kids in schools aren't going to be thinking about when they want to be a vlogger when I look at your Instagram because you put quite a lot of the video that you did about exercising was amazing and I always look at your and like in a really non-judgmental way I look at them and I think that is like a beautiful body like I never look at it and think fat or anything and I just love how you are although I don't have those judgments about bodies so many people do and I love that you were putting these things up and going this is my body yeah I've got some roles I've got some imperfections but that's what makes me beautiful I think that's the other thing is it's like okay whether you perceive uh the imperfections as beautiful or not Mm -hmm. I have got one life here and this is what I look like and it's a massive fucking effort to change that Mm -hmm. and that's something that I've learned doing this marathon because I was having a real psychological block when I was training because Mm -hmm. I was getting so fit and I'd go and run 10 miles or whatever and then the next day I'd go and do a boxing class with a friend Mm -hmm. and then like my friend would be thinner than me and she'd be like, oh God, there's no way I could run 10 miles and Mm -hmm. then come to boxing and I'm like, yeah, like I'm a fucking tank, what do you know? Mm -hmm. But then I would be looking at our two bodies and hers would be smaller than mine Mm -hmm. and I'm like, hang on, that doesn't make sense and I was basically having this really big issue whereby I couldn't acknowledge how fit I was getting because Mm. in my head I didn't look like I thought fit should look yeah and I think that's massively come about obviously because traditionally athletes don't have fat Mm -hmm. and I mean professional athletes but then also you know the girls that we see on Instagram who Mm -hmm. sell fitness also sell dream bodies and these women would still have makeup on and be completely beautiful and I I, you know I would perceive them to be perfect and I just couldn't equate that to myself Mm -hmm. and it was only about halfway through the training, maybe a bit further on, where I was like, hang on a fucking minute. I am so strong right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so strong. And I was looking in the mirror at my, like, really strong legs. And then I was looking at my really soft tummy. And I was like, hang on, this is ridiculous. And I basically was able to finally work out that you can be fit and have fat. Mm -hmm. And that the change that was happening in me and the amazing thing that I was about to do was about so much more than what I looked like. Mm And my last six months have just been so huge like sort of emotionally charged because mm-hmm. of that and I've basically just had this complete revelation that it would take everything mm-hmm. for me to change the way I look now you know everyone says I'll do more, do more exercise like I physically can't mate just run a fucking marathon <laughs> this is yeah. me I'm as fit as I've ever been yeah. and still on top of the muscles that I've grown I still have fat yeah. and that's because I had spag bowl last night and then two chocolate brownies for pudding and yeah. a half bag of popcorn yeah. and because that's what makes me happy yeah. and then I'm going to leave this and I'm going to go spinning and then I'm going to go out for lunch with my friends and I think it's for me this realisation that exercise isn't about how you look and you don't need to look a certain way and even when you get as fit as you could imagine Mm -hmm. you might still have a bit of fat and that's something that should be talked about more because I kept waiting to be fit I was like I'm gonna get there I'm gonna wake up one morning and I'm gonna be fit I'm gonna be fit and then I was like fuck I already am fit but we're taught that aren't we that's socializing us to always go to the next thing like when when I do this I'm gonna be happy when I get there I'm gonna finally be happy and it's such a dangerous mindset to be in such a dangerous mindset and also I mean I don't know 
I didn't understand the science of it, but what did I think? Where did I think my fat was going to go? Or I don't know. Like I just, you know, I, I did the most amazing thing I could ever have imagined doing mm-hmm. ever, and th- and I did it with what I've got now. So mm-hmm. I've got to love what I've got now because it's just mm-hmm. done me an incredible service. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's kind of what it's about for me is just recognizing how fucking legendary my body is mm-hmm. and how much I owe it and yeah. like how much I need to look after it because it took a pounding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so. Yeah, that's about the videos and stuff. I'm just like, fuck it. Like, yeah. I'm strong. I'm I love well, it. I'm soft. Well, Looking at it. your life now, if money, time, location wasn't an object, what would you be doing with your life? Exactly what I'm doing. Perfect answer. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like I practiced it. <laughs> no, that's great. And I think what you're doing is so important. So your mission, in if, if you could be doing anything else in life, you wouldn't, which is amazing. But when did you realise that your plan B had become your, your plan A? Like, when did you realise this was your sole purpose? I'm still going on that. <laughs> like, I'm still kind of trying to convince myself that it is. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the really interesting thing about, like, working online. And crafting it's, this career that you've completely made up. But it's been born kind of out of my determination, but then yeah. kind of what's been available to me. Like, with Instagram growing as it has, and Twitter, mm-hmm. and social media, and blogging taking off, and then mm-hmm. kind of dwindling as Instagram took over. And, you know, I'm just trying to kind of play and catch up. So, But how amazing is this, that, like, 15 years ago, someone would get home from work, and they'd say, oh, how was your day? And you'd go, oh, well you know Janet's just come back from holiday and I filed yeah. the account and da 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 you get home and, and your boyfriend will say how was work and you're like I took my my underwear my, yeah. my underwear on Tower Ridge. yeah exactly but how amazing it is amazing career. but it's so funny because so many old people say to me they're like oh um did you always know you'd be a blogger? I'm like, well, literally no, because blogging wasn't it, wasn't it didn't thing. exist mm-hmm. so yeah I mean like I guess it's evolved like Mm. and it will I hope keep evolving and hopefully I'll be able to keep up with it Mm -hmm. and yeah so there is absolutely no plan (laughs) this is not a plan this is I think that's the best way to be though and I think I think with our careers they just evolve and evolve and I used to because I've been doing it about the same time as you and I used to think that right soon I'm going to get to a place where I'll be like static like a career and I will have a job that I will be able to put a label on almost but it's never got to that point and I think it will always just keep going and I'll be just picking and choosing the bits that make me money and the bits that make me happy and yeah and that will be the career Emily I really think you're amazing I love following you follow Emily it's m underscore Clarkson you are so inspiring you're brilliant and I'm really happy that my daughter has people like you to look up to when she finally joins social media when I let her (laughs) when she's like 45 maybe at the age of 40 (laughs) yeah that's when she's allowed to kiss boys as well Uh, but thank you so much it's been a pleasure so if you're feeling inspired to make the most of your backup plan great this is just the start we'd love to know your thoughts about the backup plan so please leave us a review and a rating and for all your weekly updates hit the subscribe button before i go i want to say a final shout out to the amazing team over at etsy head to etsy.com to buy directly from someone who put their heart and soul into making something special until next time (laughs) 